Hi everybody, this is Liberation of Grace, part 2B, entitled The Blessing. Enjoy it. There we go. Okay. Good evening, thank you for braving the weather. Appreciate that. Let's pray. Daddy God, thank you for everything that you have done for us. There is nothing that we can say that can stand in the face of the enormity of what you've done on the cross. And so thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Help me tonight to somehow be able to bring something of value, Lord, and help me to be clear, help me to be to the point, and help us to retain what you say, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, we have... Uh, so actually, something quite uncanny happened uh, this morning. Um, I, was, I was stopped in my track by Creflo Dollar that was preaching on um, TBN on one of those channels. And it really... F- felt like he read my notes. I said, I stopped and I said, he's going to Galatians 3.13. So I opened the Bible to Galatians 3.13. And anyway, this is it. If you have heard Creflo preaching it, I got it before him, all right? (laughs) All right, anyway. um, We have considered the fact that... um, the New Testament does not start with Matthew 1.1, right? We have seen that the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that the testament is not valid until the testator, the guy that wrote the testament, dies. So we've seen that uh, the New Testament doesn't start like most Bibles say after Malachi 4.6, before Matthew, but it starts at the cross. It starts at John. John chapter 19 and verse 30 where Jesus said it is finished at that moment the previous agreement the previous will the previous testament the previous contract comes to an end and there is a line in the sand that separates the Old Testament from the New Testament and over and over again we have seen that the Bible, that the that the that, 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 that the manger divides the old from the new, but we've seen that that is not true. We've seen that the dividing line is the cross. Yeah. So, if the dividing line is the cross, we have also seen that before the cross, the Gospels were not directed at the Gentiles, which is us, and. Uh, I also said to you the fact that uh, uh, as far as we're concerned, we don't have an old and new covenant. We only have one covenant. Because we're not part of the old covenant. The old covenant does not apply. The old covenant was not given to us. The old covenant was given to Israel. Okay? And that's why Jesus says over and over, He says, I didn't come for you. I came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. 
when he gives orders to his disciples to go and teach uh, what he has taught them, he says, don't go into the house of the Samaritans and of the Gentiles or the pagans, but only go to the, to, the, to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Paul in Galatians 4 states quite clearly that when the right time came, God sent forth his son born of a woman to, and under the law to minister to those under the law. So we see that Jesus came to preach to Israel and that the division of time was between the Old Testament and the New Testament was the cross and not the crook. Which then gives me two completely different systems. And unfortunately, 90%, okay, I, I, I don't know this, but a, a large part of the church, for a large part of the church time, has not seen this. And still today, we pray, I thought, I mean, you saw the wedding, I assume, I didn't, but I, uh, I, I saw it on, in, on the news. And what do they do? Let us pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Da, 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 da. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And you heard me say this before. How are you doing with that? How are you doing? Are you, are you forgiving nicely? Because you pray God to forgive you according to how you forgive. That is a very risky business. And yet we pray it at an event that is watched by two billion people. Why? Because it's just, there's just this almost this veil that blocks the ability to see past tradition, to see past uh, religion, to see past all the stuff that has been built up and been clogged our ears and our eyes over the time. And there are two different systems. The, the system of the Old Testament was very simple. And again, you remember that we talked about this. It was a contract. And a contract with anybody is a bipart, a bilateral um, agreement. If I do something for you, you do something for me. The Old Testament was based on performance. You do something for God, God does something for you. Uh, you don't do something for God, God doesn't do anything for you. Because it was a contract. The Old Testament was a contract. The New Testament, based on performance. The New Testament is a pact based on a promise. Unilateral. The Old Testament was bilateral. The, 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 the Old Testament required two people to negotiate. The New Testament requires one God to promise. And our part is very simple. To believe the promise that was made. That's the total sum of our involvement. But you go and preach this Anyway, and you've got to be stoned. 
religiously stoned, not, you know, stoned mm -hmm. the other way. <laughs> <laughs> not blasted. Not blasted. Plastered. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because unfortunately, the mind has been blocked. I was telling Celeste on the way here, I'm, I'm busy talking to a pastor in Italy. It's a struggle to make him see something that is so clear. I tell him, look, these tiles on the floor are square. And he says, yeah, but they're pink. Yeah, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that they're square. Yeah, but they're they, they pink. They, and, 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 and it's just beyond my ability to comprehend how it's so difficult to understand that at the cross something was terminated. Jesus should have been called the terminator. He did say, I'll be back. So, so, <laughs> so, so he did say, I'll be back. So, so, so I'm not, okay, never mind, let's not go there. But anyway, he terminated, he he, he, he said, he said, it is finished. What was finished? It was finished, the old system by which today still people operate. Yeah. And have you ever asked yourself why sometimes we do everything that we require to do and the healing doesn't come and the prosperity doesn't come and the wife leaves and the children are messed up and, 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 the, and life goes down the toilet. Because we operate under the old system, Old Testament, contract. I do something for you, I pray, I, I believe, I, I, I fast, I, I, I whatever, and you now must do something for me. That is the old system. Like Crefo said this morning, he said it's like a card with a wrong pen. You can stick it in the, in, the, in the ATM machine as much as you want. It's not going to give you any money. Because you're using the wrong pen. It's a, it's a wrong system. It's a wrong card. The card in the New Testament is not based on you doing anything. It's based on you believing God's goodness and God's desire to do something for you. That doesn't mean that you, that you mustn't pray, that doesn't mean that you mustn't do whatever it is, but you are guided by your Holy Spirit. You don't say, okay, now in order to break the financial drought, I must tithe. No, you mustn't. Because you, you, you're going in the Old Testament, you're going in the, in the, in the Old System. And the New System, the New Testament is a different thing. God doesn't answer you because you're tired. God answers you because He loves you. Peter, you, are, we, are we doing all right? Okay. So, uh, to give you an example, look at this. How many of you, and I'm guilty of this, but how many, how many times I have dedicated babies and I've asked people to read Deuteronomy 28. But the blessing is alright. We will see just now that the bless, to, to, to speak the blessing is alright. But to give you an idea of where, we, where we're standing here, Deuteronomy 28, number one, do you know what the word Deuteronomy me, me, uh, means? Deuteronomos means second law. This was the law that was given by God to Moses to give to Israel 
while they were in the plains of Moab, just before they crossed the Jordan into the Promised Land. This is the second law, okay? You will see that the book of Deuteronomy goes back many, many chapters and repeats the 613 commandments or rules or regulations in the book of Genesis, in the book of uh, uh, Leviticus. And you will also find out that the Ten Commandments are repeated in the book of Deuteronomy. So it's a second approach, it's a second, and it's a second covenant. The Bible says in, in, uh, in Deuteronomy 20, 29, in Deuteronomy 29, the first verse, it says, These are the words of the covenant which the Lord commanded Moses to make with the children of Israel in the land of Moab. Besides the covenant which he made with them in Horeb. Horeb is Sinai. So this is Deuteronomy, the, the, Deuteronomy the, the, a second covenant, a second law. That's part... See, nobody's ever told you this. Nobody's ever told you that on top of the, the, the one on Sinai, which was the Ten Commandments, God gave 613 other commandments, which are called the covenant. In other words, if you don't do it, you're not going to do it. Example, Deuteronomy 28. You can check in your own Bible, but you'll find out that there are 15 verses at the beginning of the chapter that start with these words. Now, it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all His commandments which I command you today that the Lord your God will set you high above the nations. Can you see the contract? Can you see the contract? If you do this, if you obey, if you perform, if you sanctify yourself, if you behave, if you obey my commandments, then I. Right? And this just to show you how we operate still under the old system. And that's why most of the times, healing doesn't come, prosperity doesn't come, most of the times, I'm not saying all the time. There are times when God even overrides our stupidity and blesses us anyway. Like I told you before, at, at the pool of Bethesda, the guy was totally unbelieving, worse than unbelieving. He didn't know who Jesus was. When Jesus asked him, do you want to be made well? He said, ah, please, you don't understand. Here we do it in another way. We're waiting for the angel to come and stir the water, stir up the water and everything. So it was totally off the mark. And yet Jesus healed him anyway. Because he doesn't heal you because you're on the mark. He heals you because he's on the mark. Yeah. See? doesn't heal you because you're good. He heals you because he's good. And so, when you understand that, Suddenly, stuff opens up. And so, why do these things happen? Because we are operating under the wrong system. Fifteen verses of blessings. But nobody reads the 58 verses of curses that follow the 15 verses of blessings. Verse 15. Okay, we saw verse 1, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice, the Lord will, 
Observe carefully your commandments. You commanded today the Lord your God will sit you above the nation. And then in verse 2 he says, And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Why? Because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. So here we have blessings that are linked, attached to Bahia. You obey. How many of you have heard of the word obedience? You must obey the Lord, right? Wrong system. So mustn't I obey the Lord? You must obey the leading of the Holy Ghost inside your heart. That's what you must obey. Not that. Not the Lord said that I mustn't eat hand sandwich. So therefore, I will not. Now, because you eat, you don't eat hand sandwich, but you eat prawns. So you're as guilty of hell, of, of hell as anything else. So, watch what he says. Verse 15. So it said, remember it said, And all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. And then he says, Blessed shall you be, and blessed shall you be, and blessed shall you be, and blessed shall be the fruit of your will. Verse 15. But, <laughs> but it shall come to pass. And this time it's going to come to stay also. That if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all His commandments and all His statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city. Cursed shall you be in the country. Da, 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 57. 57 verses of curses against 14 verses of blessing. And yet... 90% of the churches today will tell you that you have to obey God otherwise. This is a system that Jesus on the cross said it is finished. It's okay, don't worry. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm still waiting. Okay, so. So it's the system that Jesus said, it's finished. It's terminated. It's exterminated. It doesn't exist anymore. It's gone. It's finished. It's done. Don't go back to the I do this for God so that He can do this for me. Even in prayer. And even in faith. Don't believe. You know the, 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 the believometer. Or the faithometer. What, what do you want to call it? You know? that, that needle that. What are you doing? I'm believing. Not enough. Not enough. God. Okay. What can I do for you? That is the way that we think. How many times they told you it didn't happen because you don't have enough faith? Or worse, it didn't happen because there's sin in your life. Not, not you, only the ones that didn't come to that. But, uh, right? So now what do we have? We have Deuteronomy 28, which is the old system. That is the proof of the fact that it doesn't work. Because we approach God on the basis of something that is obsolete. 
Gone. Finished. Claw. Cleared out. So now, Galatians 13. I want to, I want to look at uh, some, some scripture in Galatians 13, but before, 3. But before we start, I want to point something, point something out to you. Galatians chapter 3 starts with the words, O foolish Galatians. Do you remember that Jesus said in the book of Matthew, He said, if you call your brother Raka, you're in the danger of counsel. But if you call him you fool, you're in danger of the fires of hell. And Paul starts his chapter with, you idiots Galatians, you foolish Galatians. You know why? Because Paul understands he's not under the law anymore. And his heart is right. He's saying something, but his heart is going out to his children that have been, misle been misled by a bunch of Judaizers that went around the region trying to tell them that it's okay, Jesus, it's okay, it's fine, it's beautiful. Yes, he forgives you all your sins. Yes, he, yes, he loves you. But... And you know what's happening, what's coming now. You better behave, because yes, He has forgiven all your sins, but you mustn't sin again. Yes, He has given you eternal life, but if you don't behave, He's going to take it back. Yes, He loves you beyond any measure, but you better not mess up. Yes, He's your Father, but if you really mess up, He kicks you out of the house. This is the thinking of the Old Testament way of thinking. Where if you don't behave, the other part of the contract doesn't work. Remember this. The Old Testament is a contract. And it works with a bilateral exchange of performance. I pray, you answer. I give you my tithe, you, 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 you prosper me. I, I starve and uh, fast and pray and everything, you heal me. There's always a, what, 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 uh, what the Latins call quid pro quo. Something to you, something to me. That is Old Testament thinking. That system is finished. Klar, terminated, no more. The cross is the line that divides history. That is over. No more to be entertained. From now on, we are talking promise. Right? So, let's look at this. Verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us. I mean, you can, you can sit on these few words for, for a month. Has redeemed. Last time I checked, it's past. Past things done. done, right? So you are redeemed. Yes, I'm redeemed, but you better behave, otherwise you get unredeemed. So. 
from the curse of the law. And it become a curse for us. The exchange, the, the magnificent exchange of Jesus becoming sin for me so that I could become the righteousness of God in Him. He, he takes my sin into Him as Neushatan, as the snake, as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness that sucked up the, the, the poison from the people that got bitten, sucked it up from Him just by looking at Him. The same thing happens with Christ. You just look at Him and He sucks up the sin out of your life. So, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. That's a beautiful, beautiful Greek word, hangs, that, that appears only twice in the Bible, in, in, in the Greek scriptures. And it's the word kremanumi, which, which means, big revelation, hang. <clears throat> but it's only used twice. This is when Paul says, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, in other words, who is hung on a cross, right? The tree is symbolic of the cross. The other time when the word is used is when Jesus uses it and he says, uh, You shall love the Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your being, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. In those days, there wasn't a word like Bible. The law and the prophet was the Torah and the prophetic books. In other words, the Old Testament. So Jesus says the, the Old Testament, the whole thing, hangs on the ability of someone to love God with all of his being and love his neighbor like himself. Paul says, Jesus accomplished that by hanging on the tree. See, once again, don't come... I, I have people telling me uh, on that post of... Uh, of uh, um, uh, what's his name? Harry. Harry and Meghan. Uh, on that post, they told me, yeah, but you're supposed to love your God with all your heart and you're not supposed to be divorced. You're supposed to love your God with all your heart. And I want to say, you don't love your God with all your heart. All I have to do is... Come to you and say, I'm going to take your house. God told me to take your house. God told me to take your wife. God told me to take your health. Now I want to see if you're going to love your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your, with all your being. See, again, you love God, He loves you. No, no, no. Jesus did that part. He loved God, He loved humanity. Now believe that and suck. The blessings out of it. Right. I've got to hurry up otherwise. <laughs> okay. There's three pages like this. That the blessing... Okay. Curses anyone in the tree. That the blessing of Abraham may come upon the Gentile in Christ Jesus. You see? All of a sudden, the blessing is coming without you doing nothing. Without you doing anything. Christ has redeemed us so that the blessing could come... <laughs> How? That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So the promise is received through faith. The blessings are built into that promise. You don't have to produce anything anymore. You don't have to... If you obey the voice of the Lord... Da, 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 da. No, 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 no. He obeyed the voice of the Lord. He obeyed the commandments. Christ did it all. 
All that he asks you to do is he asks you to identify yourself with him and say, I believe you did it. Can I be part of this? I call upon your name and I receive what you've done. And in that simple statement, you receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Then he says, Brethren, I speak in the manner of men, though it is only a man's covenant, yet if it's confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. Now to Abraham and his seed, and we all know this, where the promise is made. He does not say unto seeds as of many, but as of one, and to your seed who is Christ. And I showed you before that in, in Genesis 15, in Genesis 17, um, the, when, when God tells Abraham to bring the sacrifice, He says, bring me five animals, uh, three animals and two birds, cut the three animals in two, okay, five is the number of grace, cut the three animals in two, we got six and two is eight, it's a new beginning, grace gives you a new beginning, it's talking about new covenant, to put them down and, and go fall asleep. God is so needy of Abraham's participation that he gives him the value. That was to show you our part in this whole thing. Nothing. When Abraham woke up, God says, Okay, I'm going to bless your seed with a gazillion stars in heaven and the sand of the sea. And Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And you will see that, okay, let's go. Uh, now to Abraham and his seed where the promise is made, he does not say the seed is the minimum of one and to your seed who is Christ. And this I say, that the law, which was 430 years later, okay? Now, God cuts the covenant with Himself. We've, we've seen that in, in Genesis 15, we see fire and smoke appearing and passing through the pieces. Fire and smoke is always a, an epiphany, a, a representation, an apparition of God, who is a spirit and doesn't have any substance. So he, when He appears, He appears as fire and smoke. Okay? So, he passes through the, the covenant with Christ, with the seed, right? Christ, as fire and smoke, passes through the pieces and cuts the covenant with God. And you will see that in the book of Hebrews it says, because God couldn't swear by anybody else, he swore by himself. So this is a covenant, the new covenant is a covenant between God and God. That's why it can't be broken. And all that the New Covenant asks you to do is to believe it so that you can be part of it. Not difficult. 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before, but he's talking about the law of, uh, of Sinai. Uh, okay, and the, and the one in Moab, which is 470 years later. But it should make the promises of no effect. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer a promise, but God gave it to Abraham by, by promise. Okay? So, it's, it's a very uh, convoluted way to say uh, if life could come by a contract, then there would not have been need for Jesus to go to the cross. Because the contract would have been enough. But life cannot come through the contract. 
life can only come through the death of the substitutionary sacrifice and you believing it. So, what purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions until the seed. See, see there's, a, there's a line in the sand. The law was given because of transgression until the seed should come to whom the promise was made. To whom the promise was made. The promise was not made to Abraham. It was made to the seed of Abraham, which is Christ. Okay? Have I, have I lost you yet? No, not yet. Okay, good. Uh, and it was appointed through angels by the hand of the mediator. This is talking about the law of Moses, okay? The, the angels. And again, it links back to Hebrew, where in Hebrew says that, that, that there, is no, there is no comparison between the sun and the angels. Okay? It says the, the angels are lower than the sun. Anyway. Now, a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. So what is he saying? He's saying that God mediated with God. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. Because it's in line with everything that is right and holy and just. And, and all he's saying is saying that's not going to give you life. Don't go there to try and get life out of the law. Because you're not going to find life in the law. In the Old Testament. In the Old Covenant. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, there it is, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the scripture has confined all under sin. Now, please, just spend two seconds to meditate on that. It's not difficult. Scripture has confined how many? All under sin. And Paul says in the book of Romans, there is not one righteous, not one. In other words, what are we talking about? We're talking about that you can, if you could, you could obey the law 99%, not 100% because you can't, the Bible says clearly that you can't keep the law. But 99%, you will still be sold under sin. Confined all under sin. Shut, put in prison, confined all under sin. The whole humanity is under sin. Something needs to happen for humanity to come out. That the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under God by the law. Kept for the faith which would afterwards be revealed. Now, therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ. Now this is a, it's a very interesting Greek concept and Greek word and that's why Paul uses it with Galatians because the Galatians were basically Greeks. A tutor was a person that would be in charge of a child and would take him, make sure that he would go from the house to the place of learning. And then he would, he would wait for him, take him back to the house. Make sure that nothing happened to him in the way. So he was a tutor of someone that took you from a place to another place. And that's what he says. A tutor to bring us to Christ. The law was the thing that said, you cannot get life through me. But I can take you to the one who can give you life. 
That's why the law was given. And that's why Jesus, over and over again, made, state, made atrocious statements. By saying something like, if you call your brother Raka, you're in the danger of the judgment of the council. But if you call him your fool, you're in the danger of Farewell. I say to you, it is written that in order to be an adulterer, you must go to bed with a woman that's not your wife. But I say, all you have to do is look at her. Outrageous. 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 Out. Out. Outrageous. Outrageous is, uh, <laughs> is, is from the south. Uh, from the south. And uh, outrageous statements like, like love the Lord your God with all your heart. Come on guys, stop for a second and switch off the religious mind for just for a second. Can you do it? You can't do it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Can you do it? You can't do it. Forgive your neighbor, otherwise the Father in heaven will not forgive you. You can't do it. So what is it? Doomed. The law was put there to tell you, you're doomed. You've got no way of escape. You do not possess what it takes to make God satisfied. Yeah. So... But when faith has come, we're no longer under a tutor. For you are... How many? Oh! Members of the church. Sons of God. Through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. How many of you have heard, you need to abide in, in, in Christ? If you're a Christian, that's where you abide. You're not going anywhere. Yeah, but the Bible says, John 15, if you don't abide in me, then I cut you off and I throw you in the fire and I burn you. That's the ones that don't abide in Him. Those are the sinners, those are the, the unbelievers, those are the ones that don't want to abide in Him. But if you abide in me, how many of you have to really concentrate about abiding at your place. You go home and you live in your place, right? It's not difficult. You, you, you abiding means live. Okay, you live. I don't. Have, I don't have a problem in living in my house because that's where I live. You don't have a problem in abiding in Christ because that's where you are. And yet religion will tell you, you need to abide in Christ. Okay, I need to abide at 7th Avenue, Fernbluff. Uh, but we, that's where we abide. That's where we live. You see how crazy this thing is? Uh, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you're Abraham's seed. And here's according to the promise. So in other words, it picks up on the concept before of the blessings. You want the blessings? Be in Christ Jesus. That's it. 
And he said, yeah, but even now, if I'm with you on the tip of your head, I know there's something inside of you that says, yeah, but I must, surely I must do something. No. How, what, what must you do to abide at home? Nothing. You must just go home and stay and bite you. Abide. You abide. You, 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 that's where you run. Yeah, but if I'm, if I'm in town, you still abide at home. If they ask you your address, you don't give them bottles. That's where you live. That's where you abide. Yeah. So. Now. Okay. Let me finish with this. Are we... Are we okay? Do you have any questions? Are we okay that... There's a there's a canyon, there's a there's a there's a unsurmountable gap, there's a there's a there's a line of lava. We've seen the volcano in Hawaii spewing molten rock this the, that divides one from one to the other, Old Testament, New Testament. This there's, there's a you cannot cross over. You cannot go from one to the other. If you're in the Old Testament, you die. If you're in the New Testament, you live. Not because you deserve it, not because you can do anything, but because He did it, and He purchased life for you. So all He's saying to you, all that Jesus is saying to you, He's saying, follow me. Listen to my spirit. Listen to my heart inside of you. If I tell you to give money to somebody, go give money to somebody because I'm telling you, I will bless you when I tell you. Not because it says, Malachi 3.10, bring ye therefore the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And so I will check me in this, says the Lord, if I'm not rebuked the devout. I mean, come on guys, please, let's, let's, not go there. But still today, and I understand, understand, because people have got the wrong idea that if they trust God, the church will close the doors. That's the way it is. They, they force the people to tithe because they don't, they're not prepared to trust God. Because if you trust God, we're going to have to close the doors. I mean, people will not give. People will not give. People will, you know, we won't be able to pay the... But if I force you, if I put Malachi 3.10 on you and to, to the curse of the law will slap you back and then you better not rob God. It says, hey, you've robbed me. The whole lot of you. Come on. <laughs> but this is, the way, this is the way we've been operating for so many years. And still today, still today, we don't have to go very far. Still today, people hammer you with the tithe because they don't trust God, basically. And so, is that alright? Is there, is, there, is there something that you want to ask, that you want to say before we take a step into the land of shadows where I want to show you something different? Peter, you okay? Joe, are we alright? John? Yep. 
I'm asking you the boys because I'm, I'm, I'm basically uh, not a masochist, what do you call it? <laughs> uh, the opposite of a feminist. A male chauvinist, yeah, a chauvinist. Yeah, basically. But, uh, no. Uh, because my problem is that, to me, it's so clear. And sometimes I try to express something that to me is very clear. And then I step back and I realize that what Einstein said, nothing is taught until something is learned. Yeah. It's very true. Because I will not teach you anything until you've learned it. And if you haven't learned it, then I'm wasting my time. And then you need to stop and back up and say, the system that existed before was based on my performance. And watch this. In that system, who is sitting in the center of the stage with the spotlights on top? Me or the Holy Ghost? Me. I pray, I give, I fast, I believe, I take the trip, I do the mission trip, I do the witnessing, I do the giving, I open my house to a small group, I do this, I do that, and the Holy Spirit says, okay, cool, try it, you do it. Get your reward. It's 15 verses out of 68. Sorry, 69. I mean, uh, before becoming a Christian, I was a professional gambler. I will not take the odds. I will not take those odds. I'd rather, I'd rather go for the, for the 100%. I don't have to do anything. Put the Holy Spirit in, on center stage. And He says to me, He says, Mario, relax. Today, take it easy. You don't have to read the Bible. Today, you don't have to give any money to anybody. Today, not just me, me and you. I just want to be involved in your... You know what? I'm going to give you a fun day today. How's that? Take your wife out. Go for a nice meal somewhere. Take a drive to the beach. Take a walk by the, by the, by the waves. Talk sweet nothings to her. I, I just want... I'll enjoy your enjoyment. Sometimes we forget that Jesus enjoys our enjoyment. Yeah. Remember when he said, I say this thing that your joy may be full? He does everything so that our joy may be full. But we don't want the joy because at 5 o'clock we must get up and read the Bible. Now my wife can testify. I get up most of the time at 6 o'clock. Sometimes at 7, sometimes at 7.30. Sometimes a little late. To read my Bible. But I don't do it because I have to do it. I do it because I want I'm, 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 I'm so hungry yeah, to communicate. Yeah. And I'm saying, okay, yeah, talk to me. And, and I sit there and I make my cup of coffee and I, and I talk to him about my, my son and my daughter and my grandchildren and the love of my life and, the, and my, my future and my books and my, and my this and my that. And then, and then I hear a name and then I talk and then I, and then I check on Facebook and then, uh, and then I put the phone down and then I slap myself and I say, hey, you're supposed to talk to God and you check on Facebook. And, and he, kind of, he kind of giggles and he says, okay, check on Facebook, I'll check up with you just now. And so we, we do 
that for half an hour, an hour, and then I'm done. And you know what? Sometimes I don't do it. And my dad doesn't get upset. He doesn't give me a puncture in the car. I tell you, I, I haven't been as blessed as I am for a long time since the day that I decided it doesn't depend on me. I agree. I'm not going to do anything to cause you to do anything. I'm just going to say, Daddy God, I love you with every fiber of my being, and yet I know that I'm not loving you with all of my heart. But I know that you take what I have. You remember what happened in John 21 when, when Jesus speaks to Peter? And he says, Peter, do you agape me? He uses that word in the, in the Greek. Do you agape me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I phileo you. And he says, go feed my sheep. And then, Peter, do you, do you agape me? Peter says, yeah, you know I phileo you. Okay, go feed my lambs. And then Jesus, the God of the universe, the creator of all things, steps down from his requirements and comes down to man and says, Peter, do you phileo me? And Peter says, come on, boss, you know, I told you already three times. He could have, he could have kept the standard high. Agape, you're not going to agape me, Peter, I know, because you're a bunch of no good. You betrayed me, you let me down, you did that, you did that. Nobody says, he comes down and he says, okay, you can't do agape. Can you feel it? And he gives me, gives him the greatest <coughs> mandate to feed his sheep. To a traitor. Check, check the, 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 the genealogy, Jesus' genealogy in, in, in Matthew chapter 1 sometimes when you got times. You'll find five women. Five women. One is a prostitute. The, one, the other one is a daughter-in-law who gets pregnant with her father-in-law playing the prostitute. The other one is an adulteress that goes to bed with a king and gives him a child that later dies. The fourth one is a Moabite that was cursed by God could not even come into the temple let alone worship. Moab was an enemy of God. She was a Moabitess. And the first one was a teenager that didn't know any better than fall pregnant by the Holy Ghost. Five, the number of grace. All five of them did not deserve to be in, in Jesus' genealogy. Unmarried, pregnant. <coughs> and what we can say, we can say, thank God for Joe, not you. Because if Joe, Joseph, had been born in Sicily, there would have been no Mary, there would have been no Jesus, there would have been no salvation. There would have been, he would have shot up with a big sawn-off shotgun and... <coughs> 
and blow away the dust. So, okay, can we go on? Two minutes. I just want to close with this. Uh, we know the story Jesus is... Uh, this is another beautiful example of Jesus not caring whether you obey or not. He tells his disciples, everything is going to happen in Jerusalem. Don't go out of Jerusalem. Everything is going to happen there. I'm going to be raised up in Jerusalem. Eventually the Holy Spirit will come to Jerusalem. The miracle will be in Jerusalem. Will Everything will happen in Jerusalem. Don't go away from Jerusalem. They take off and they go to a place called the Mouse. So they are busy disobeying the direct order of Jesus. They say, stay in Jerusalem. And this is the most important moment in the history of Jesus' ministry because He is going to appear in His resurrected body to two disciples. Does He choose Peter and John who are in Jerusalem? Does He choose the high priest of the temple? Does He choose? No, He chooses two guys that are busy disobeying His direct orders. Stay in Jerusalem. And they're going in the opposite direction. And Jesus showed up. He says, Hi guys, how you doing? How you doing? And then he says to them, he says, Why are you so sad? What's up with you? And they say, they say, Are you the only one that doesn't know what happened? Jesus said, No, tell me what happened. He said, ah, come on, guys, Jesus, a prophet from Nazareth, he was we hoped that he was the Messiah, but then he died, and then with the crazy woman that they say they went to the tomb and they said he wasn't there and we don't know what's cooking. But anyway, we are so depressed because we thought he was going to bring in the kingdom. And now he's dead. And Jesus says, guess what he says? Tell me what the first word that he says. Foolish. Foolish. <laughs> oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. But not the Christ who have suffered these things and to enter into his glory. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets. Moses stands for the law. So again you have the law and the prophets. So talking about the old covenant. He expanded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. In other words, when I say Jesus in the Gospels ministered primarily as a rabbi under the Old Covenant to Israel, we must never forget that the Bible says that God preached the Gospel to Abraham. The Gospel is not Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. The Gospel is the announcement of I will bless you if you just believe it. The gospel is an announcement, is not a request. Request, Old Testament. Gospel, New Testament, announcement. Unto you today is born in the city of David a child who is called Christ the Lord. Gospel is I will bless in you 
all the nations of this world. In your seed, Zera, in your seed, I will bless all the nations of the world. We are here and we are Christians because one day God declared the gospel to Abraham. And Abraham believed it. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. Nothing has changed. You believe the, the announcement. It is accounted to you for righteousness. What's the announcement? If you believe in the seed, you will be saved. That's the announcement. That's the gospel. We have put the unfortunate word gospel Evangelio Matteo, Evangelio Johannes, Evangelio Marcus. We, we have put the, the unfortunate word before the name and now all of a sudden we have a section of the Bible which are the gospel. No! The gospel started in the beginning when God spoke to the snake and he says, I'm going to send the seed. Same word, Zerah. The seed of the woman will squash her head. That's the gospel. Announcement. The snake is beaten by the seed of God. The blessings come through believing the gospel. The announcement is, if you trust in Christ, I bless you. Can you step back and stop performing and just believe the gospel? I'll leave you with a challenge and the story in Genesis 22. And I'm done. Four minutes. You can't see that, but... Uh, that is the land of Moriah. Genesis 22. God calls Abraham and he says, I want you to go to a place that I will show you. In the land of Moriah. Moriah means chosen by Yahweh. Chosen by the Lord. And the land of Moriah is formed by five, number of grace, five mountains. Let's see if I can remember them. If not... Genesis 22. I don't even know if it's written here in the other Bible. Genesis 22. Zion, Mount Moriah, Mount Ophel, where the temple stands now, the Mount of Olives, and Golgotha. So God says to Abraham, I want you to take your seed, your only seed, Remember the one that I told you a couple of chapters back? That I would bless, and through him I would bless all the Goyim, all the nations, all the Gentiles. Us. Remember that seed? Yeah. I want you to take that seed, and I want you to give it back to me. I want you to sacrifice it. So now we're going to find out if Abraham really believes it or not. So Abraham starts going and he, and he marches for three days. Very prophetic number. Because the other seed would be for three days and three nights would be dead. In the heart of Abraham, his son Isaac is dead for those three days. Because he knows at the end of the three days, he's going to kill him. And he's going and he's marching. 
And the Bible says, And then one day Abraham saw afar off. Now, I don't know if I'm the only one who ever picked this up, but I've never heard it from anybody else. Afar off, it's always been, even, even the other day, even yesterday I was checking on a commentary, and he was saying, no, it can't be that mountain because the Bible says he saw him from afar off and from afar off, southeast of Jerusalem, you couldn't see that mountain. And I'm going, it's not what it means. Afar off, not only geographically, but also in time. The Hebrew word also means in time. So the Bible says that God shows Abraham afar off in time the place. So what does he do? He sees the resurrection of the seed of God. And that's the only reason why all of a sudden he picks up the pace and he says, Okay guys, let's go. Let's go. Me and the boy, we're going to go up there. I'm going to kill him quickly and then we're both coming back. And Jesus in John, somewhere in the Gospel of John, <laughs> uh, he says, listen to this now. Abraham saw my day and he rejoiced. What other day could Abraham have seen if not the day when God showed him afar off the place Golgotha, the place of death and the place of resurrection for him to rejoice. And that's when, the, that's when the Jews said, you're not even 30 years old and you've seen Abraham? Come on, come here, we, we, we stone you right now. But that's what happens. So Abraham sees the seed. Abraham sees the end of the story. And now he puts faith to it. He says, Isaac, pick up the stone. Pick up the, the wood. Word for wood in the Hebrew, it's. It's can be translated wood and tree. Remember who hangs on the tree? Now pick up your tree. Pick up your tree. Isaac, the seed of man, the son of man, picks up the tree, the cross, the wood, and begins to march up this mountain, which we don't know what it is, but I wouldn't put it past God if it wasn't Calvary or Golgotha. We can't say, we don't know. The Muslims reckon that it was Ophel, the Mount, Temple Mount, where they now have this, the, the, the Dome of the Rock. They, they say that that's the spot where Abraham offered Ishmael, not Isaac, Ishmael. Don't ask me how they suck it out of the Bible. They don't. They suck it out of the Quran. But that's what they believe. They believe that on the, on the Mount of... Uh, where the temple is. So anyway. Uh, I wouldn't put it past God to, to take Abraham and Isaac and put them in the very spot when, where uh, a few hundred years later a Roman soldier planted another tree on which hung another seed. Another son. And so he takes him that and says, and then on the way up he says, he says Dad, uh, I can see the, the wood and I can see the fire for the sacrifice and I can see the, the, the knife. But where's the lamb? <laughs> Hello? Where's the lamb? 
And Abraham doesn't turn around to Isaac and says, Hey boy, you it. No, he says, he says something. He says, Jehovah Jireh. Which means, can mean, the Lord will provide the lamb. Or can also mean, the Lord will provide himself as a lamb. So now, why do I say that? Because they go up, and Isaac, I'm convinced that Isaac saw the same thing that Abraham saw when he saw the cross and he saw the resurrection. He saw, Jesus called it my day. And he rejoiced. I'm, I'm positive that Isaac saw the same thing because if you're 17 years old and your father's 100 and you know he's about to bry you on, 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 on the grill, you run and the father is... Doesn't have a sacrifice anymore. The choppies are gone. <laughs> the choppies are run. Yeah. But he doesn't. He goes up with his dad. And so the father says, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide himself as a lamb. Then he, he, puts, he sets up the wood. And by now, I'm sure that Isaac is starting to think. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. 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 Sets up the, 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 the wood and then he, he ties his son to the altar. There's a whole, there's a whole procedural thing that we don't have time. So, anyway, he ties him to the altar because of the, because of the tabernacle, he had to follow certain rituals. He ties him to the altar and then he, and then he raises the knife. The book of Hebrews says that he was prepared to kill him and to burn him because he knew that God would have raised him up from the ashes. So he raises the knife. He's ready to plunge it into his son. And I can imagine the cry of desperation of Abraham that says, Boss, this is it. You've got about two seconds to do something here because I'm going to obey you. Breakfast. When he said, the lad and I will go yonder <laughs> and worship, and then we both return. There's a law that is called the first mention. When the meaning, the actual meaning of a word appears the first time, it sets the understanding for the rest of the times in which that word appears in Scripture. So in this context, the word worship appears for the first time. And the word worship here is linked to the father obeying in killing the son. So obedience, you pick it up in the book of Hebrews and you pick it up in the book of Galatians and you find out that Jesus, through his obedience, gave his life. He obeyed to the point of the cross. So there's the link right there. So Abraham goes, lifts the knife, the angel blocks the, 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 the arm, because when God knows what is in your heart, He doesn't need what is in your hand. 
And he says, Abraham, now I know. It's okay, it's cool, it's fine. Don't sacrifice Isaac. Look over there. The moment that you accept the blessing, the substitutionary sacrifice of God, His supply will manifest. The animal was there all the time. It's not that it appeared supernaturally. But Abraham could only see it once he decided to accept the sacrifice of the son. So, the angel says, sacrifice that. And we all know that uh, caught in the, in the bush was not a lamb, but was a ram. And if the lamb is a type of the son, the ram is a type of the father. So right there, God says, I will take the place of the son, and I, the ram, the father, will give my life for the son. We are the sons, the father paid for our life. That is the new covenant. Believe it, receive all the blessings of Abraham in Christ Jesus. For you are the seed of Abraham and heirs according to the promise. The promise that God will bless you beyond any measure if you just allow Him to do it by believing it. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.